Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Friday, July 21st, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that web page and you click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for almost 19 years now to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on the glowing heart icon, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet, It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And we hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively engage the use of these tools in their lives. And secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we would appreciate you doing so by giving us a call at 563-999-3581. Call that number, press 1 on your phone, it'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I will see it, 
Turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. We appreciate when anybody chooses to do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be of service, and that is so much easier to do when we know how these things are landing for you. You can also send us an email, tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. Or you can email Jeannie at J-E-A-N-I-E at yagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. And if we get those messages from you, we will make a comment, respond, and then send you a message as time allows to let you know what day and time we responded to your question or comment. And you can listen back to the archives for your feedback. So... What's on your mind? How can we support you today? We had our support group last night and listened back to some more vintage Guy Finley. We'll have another support group again next Tuesday and next Thursday. And um, one more time, the way you find the information about that is on a separate website, mindshiftersacademy.org website. And there's a separate login page for information for Tuesdays and a separate one for Thursdays. So, what's been landing well for you? How would you like us to support you today? What's a comment or a question, whether you're in the chat room or on the switchboard? We would be happy to entertain your comments or questions, and if no one raises a hand, I will get back into reading from the essays of the book A Walk in the Physical by Christian Sundberg. And um, this book is, as I have interpreted it, very, very powerful messages and ways to think about our lives and our interpretations of life that is very much in alignment with what Dr. Michael Rice teaches and what he found in the Course in Miracles and what he found in the Kaboris manuscript, which is the oldest known copy of the New Testament that he was in a a foundation translating it directly from the ancient Aramaic into English. And the themes, the questions, the perspectives that are offered in this book, A Walk in the Physical, to my eye and ear, are very highly compatible with all of that work. So the last essay I read, I'm going to reread this again, it's a a relatively short one, but it's titled, The Body as a Vessel for Experience Integration. And the essay reads, The wearing of bodily constraints enables our consciousness to know and integrate a very unique type of experience. Much is possible in the body that would not otherwise be possible. And, you know, this makes me think of the the poem that I, I, I had read earlier where the woman is um, uh, Andrea Gibson, and she talks about whether or not 
the body might, or, or the soul might ache and miss all kinds of aspects of being physical that we don't really like that much. Right? So what if when the soul drops the body, it misses sadness, it misses getting stuck out in, in, a, in a chilling rain, it misses uh, the body ache of waking up after sleeping on the floor. What if uh, the the soul misses uh, the sensation of a fever? The experience of being physical can only be had by becoming physical. Much is possible in the body that is not otherwise possible. The essay goes on and says, For the spirit, the body is metaphorically like wearing a spacesuit that enables the spirit to enter a hostile environment. But unlike that spacesuit, the body is living. It adapts, it changes, and it biologically remembers everything that the spirit has experienced in this local journey. If we want to use this physical life, this very life that you have today, if you want to use it for all it can be, you must fully experience the body, the sensations, the limitations, and memory of the body are all valuable elements of that physical experience. So rather than resisting the often highly constraining and challenging experience of being bodily, we should embrace it. For doing so, embracing the bodily experience is the only thing that can facilitate the integration of this experience by you as an immortal consciousness. And it's the only thing that can allow you to spiritually grow in important ways that will remain with you long after the body is gone. So I will just pause for a minute because I have somebody who's trying to get in, dial into the show. And they're saying the number is not working for them. 563 999-3581 is the number. 563-999-3581. And so, so that's the essay related to the experience in the body and have the body become a vessel for integrating this physical experience. The next essay in this list is Essay 149, and it's titled, The Two Great Themes of Love and Fear. And the essay reads, All things are connected. You, me, 
the seat you're sitting in, the sky outside, the screen or the page that you're looking at when you read a book, and even the thoughts of the person next to you, these are all connected to each other. All things are connected because at their deepest root, all things are source, source energy. There are no exceptions. Source, light, love, God, all that is, these are just words. But truly, it is beyond any name, any definition, any labeling, any conceptualization, because all form, all words, all labels, all conceptualizations, all thoughts, exist within all that is. Source is conscious and alive. The great and loving I am. And you and I are a part of that. Precious individuals, precious individuations of the one mind, the one energy. We are forever a part of its light, capital L, light. We are forever part of it even as we exercise our individuation through experiences of separation, through the dream of separation, through the process of creating a perception from the dream of separation, which gives us the experience of being separate even though we've never been separated. And there are few places in all of creation where separation can be more starkly experienced than right here on Earth. The world we live in is a very real experience of the illusion of separation. We are not actually separate. But we have adopted the illusion of separation for purposes that are often way beyond our human understanding. We have committed to all the definition that goes along with the human condition. We've committed to being biological. We've committed to being temporarily constrained and bound in time. We've committed to being subject to the laws of physics and the discrete location idea of, of distance. In truth, none of those things are fundamentally true. Distance is not fundamental. Linear time is not fundamental. Biology is not fundamental. What is, fund, what is fundamental is our awareness consciousness, our spirit, our living consciousness itself is what is fundamental. And because consciousness is a part of every experience everywhere, and because we are consciousness, we are connected to every other single thing in all of creation. But the multiverse of form is not quote, perfect, close quotes. We, as spirits, 
who seek to engage in the integration of experience and we seek to participate in all that is occurring, we are not necessarily optimized for any given context or any given set of constraints. In all the many and varied experiences we find ourselves having, no matter the reality, no matter the reality system, no matter the lifetime, there is one, quote, primary action, close quotes, that remains constant. That primary action is our intent. We always have the power to choose things that are in accordance with the rules of the context of the reality we're participating in. And this work says we always have the ability to choose an intent to grow in love, to grow away from fear. And all of these decisions we make to choose the intent to grow in love and to grow away from fear actually impact our experience of life. And the action of consciousness itself is to choose something. And we always have that ability to choose. You are always free to choose. One of the ways I say it, I've distilled this down from several different sources, is to say, you have the infinite capacity to choose the focus of your conscious awareness in each new present moment. That's the first point we want you to understand. You have the infinite capacity to choose the focus of your conscious awareness in each new present moment. And the second thing we want you to understand is it is the focus of your conscious awareness in each new present moment that is actually building creating, constructing your experience of life in that moment. If you don't like what's happening to you, shift the focus of your awareness in that moment. Choose a different interpretation for it, and you will change your experience of life in that next moment. This essay goes on and says, when intent operates in a way that is supportive of the whole, all that is, and it operates in a way that's in alignment with the unity that exists at the foundation of all things, when that happens, we call that love with a capital L. We call that creation expressing in form. We call that the truth of all that is. We call that God and light and love and consciousness. When your intention to grow in love operates in a way that is supportive of all that is, and it's in alignment with the awareness that we are all united, we call that love. When the intent operates in a way that is divisive or that promotes the illusion of separation, it might do that by prioritizing the self over others. That's just one way to do that. When that happens, we call that fear. Every intent that is exercised in our world is either a movement towards a more integrated, a more expansive, and a more mutually supportive state of manifestation, either towards that or away from it. When it is a movement towards integrated, 
expansive and mutually supportive state of manifestation, one that is more in alignment with our true fundamental native unity, we call that love. When it's away from it, we call it fear. This is why love and fear are the two great themes of spirituality. Love reflects the power and perfect unity of our true nature. Fear reflects the incomplete, non-fundamental, and ultimately powerless illusion of separation. Loving intent supports the other and is unity-promoting. Fearful intent supports the illusory separate self and is separation-promoting. Since separation is not fundamental and it is not reflective of what we truly are, we suffer when we act from fear. Our experience on earth currently includes a great churning cacophony of suffering because on the whole, most of us exercise fearful intent rather than loving intent every day. So exercising loving intent is about honestly choosing what is best for the being next to you and best for the world as a whole. Exercising loving intent is about, among a great many other things, it's about being willing to act on the behalf of another even when it is difficult. Being willing to actually feel the pain of being wrong. Being willing to feel the humility of being imperfect. And being willing to face the fear of not knowing all the answers or even not having much physical power at all. The true playing field for this great endeavor is not primarily out in the objects of the world. The true playing field for this is within yourself. The true playing field is in your heart and mind. Some of the most important work you will ever do will be in the quiet moments of your heart. That is where the truly meaningful actions of creation are occurring. And you, as you listen to this, you are an incredibly important part of that process. You have the power to choose. Your heart and spirit will always speak to you if you are willing to relinquish the stories of the ego, you will always be guided where love is leading. You can be brave, for you are a powerful part of the source of all things. What will you choose, then, in this powerful moment of now? What will you choose in this moment? Canceling the stories of the ego, dropping the stories of the ego, is what happens in every application of the reality management worksheet. In every application of the reality management worksheet, we map out the stories that our ego is telling us. 
who is it that I think I am, what is the emotion that I'm experiencing, what is it I think in the outside world that's causing me to have that emotion, what is the thought that I'm actually using to create that emotion, what is the belief I'm holding about how the world or I need to change before I have a relief from this pain or fear or sadness. That's what I map out in every worksheet, the egoic mind's machinations. I map that out in the first three steps. And then I take a breath, I reconnect with my true nature as love, and in each and every worksheet, I cancel all of those thoughts, all of those emotions, all of those beliefs, all of that need to be right, and I ask to be shown something else. And that is another way to talk about choosing to grow in my intention toward love and choosing to grow through or away from the fear. It's the core of this work. It's one of the most powerful tools I've encountered in the last 49 years of doing therapy. It is one of the most effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've encountered in those 49 years of doing therapy and having had therapy done on me. And it's exactly to my eye and ear, exactly in line with this writing, these essays from A Walk in the Physical by Christian Sundberg. And that last essay was titled The Two Great Themes of Love and Fear. Call-in number is 563-999-3581. We have somebody that's called in, area code 520. I have made the attempt to turn on your microphone. Are you there? Yes. Good morning. Welcome. Can you hear me? Audrey? Yes. 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 Good morning. This is um, Audrey, and I am in this bin this morning, and I'm in the illusion of separation. Okay, this morning I woke up and I said, my goodness, there are three cycles that are converging, ecological, financial, and socially, and I realized um, at one level when I'm outside of my spin that everything is interconnected and interrelated, and my concern this morning is how can I make a difference in these cycles, and the answer that came to me is, be the example. And I'm making some progress, but I am not quite there yet. And one of my concerns is about the soil on Mother Earth. Okay, so let me just interrupt you. Let me interrupt you here and say... When, when you generate upset, 
and you you say and your mind wants you to believe your upset is about anyone or anything outside of you. In this work, we say, okay, number one, we can know it's a lie or it's based in a falsehood. Number two, it's an old tape playing. It's not about what's going on with the soil and the planet today. And number three, if I sit and spin with negative thoughts about it, speak or take an action from it, I'm just going to make my life situation worse. So when you talk about, this is, this is so reminiscent of when caller Susan Bingham called five or six years ago and said, I'm having this terror, uh, a nine and two-thirds terror, because we're burning up the planet. The planet's going to burn up. And when she stepped through the worksheet process, bless her heart for her willingness to do that worksheet process, she discovered that her terror was an old terror. It goes back into her childhood in several different places. And by the time she was done with that worksheet, tapped into that, did some breath work, she was down to a a, a two or a one or a zero level upset, and she was laughing. And we find this time and time and time again. When my mind wants me to believe I'm upset about what Sally did or didn't do, what Tom did or didn't do, what the soil on the planet looks like right now, whether or not we have a global warming. And the truth of our lives as human beings is that we generate our emotional state, whether it's compassionate or upset or whatever, we generate that from an internal process. And it's never been caused by an outside experience. So when I'm spinning in any kind of negative thought, I can instantly know I'm my thoughts are in error. That's one of the key phrases that's in the current seven-step reality management worksheet. If I'm in pain, my thoughts are in error. And in this work, being stuck in a negative spin of thoughts is the equivalent of being in pain. So I can strongly recommend that the the quickest way I know from my 49 years of experience doing therapy, the quickest way I know to help you get out of the spin is to pick up a worksheet and step through it. Yes. They have worked for me when I have been in a spin before, and they will work for me now. So I will do my inner work, get going on the 7-step or the 11-step, 5-step worksheet, and find out exactly what thoughts that I am generating, which is basically a lie based on an old tape. So, so let, now, let, let, I, be, let, let, let me help you be clear about this, right? Because there is a truth about how the soil planet is depleted, right? There is a truth about deforestation. There is a truth about lower nutritional value in food that's grown in soil that's depleted. So there's a truth. And we're not trying to tell you that that's a lie, the lie, the mistaken 
conclusions are that that outside actuality is causing my upset. So you would start with, and since you said you were spinning, I can recommend that you stick with that five-step mental short version that I you know, um, yeah. sent to you that anybody can access by going to the mindshiftersacademy.org website and click on the educational materials tab or the web page for educational materials, and it's the top link right there. But if you go to that, it's very simple, and I'm saying try that one because you're spinning. So start with the most simple model for this process that you have and just say, all right, when I think that these three cycles are converging, what emotion am I generating? Am I oh, generating fear. irritation? Fear. All right, so I have fear is my emotion. What's the thought that I'm using to create that fear? We're all going to die. The planet's going to die. We you know, are all going to die. Okay, the so thought. then there's my thought. We're all going to die. Now, every time I find the thought that's generating a negative emotion, that thought will contain a goal that's not getting met. And the third step in the process is I identify that goal. And so I would say to you, your goal in that worksheet would be, I want us all to live long, healthy, happy, prosperous lives. Or I, or you can make it more simple and say, I want us to live and be happy, right? And yeah. then the fourth step is, I take a nice deep cleansing breath and I just breathe and soften and I say to myself, I cancel the thought that we're all going to die. I cancel my goal for us to live long, happy lives. And I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this fear or terror right now. And when I do that, I like to put my hand over my heart space. I like to close my eyes and go into a brief meditation and just gently repeat to myself, I cancel my need to be right. I keep my breath moving. I cancel my need for anyone or anything to change, including myself. I specifically cancel my goal in this worksheet. I put my conscious logical mind on the shelf for now, and I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this fear in this worksheet. And then just breathe and soften and allow. And stay with it until you feel something shift or fade or you get a deep insight or you go to an earlier time in your life, a memory pops up very clear and strong. If that happens, just make notes about how old are you, where are you, who else is there and what's happening. But stay with the breath, stay in the soft and open space, and trust that anything that comes into your mind is going to be part of what you need to see to begin to heal here and move forward. And then when one of three things happens, you either get an insight, you feel a, a deep connection to an earlier time in your life, a memory, or you just feel the energy decrease and shift and something release. Or you realize, third option, that you're just going to spin right now and go nowhere. When one of those three things happens, take a nice deep cleansing breath, let it all go, scan your body and notice what you're feeling. 
And if you do that and do it repeatedly, my experience has been you will have relief from the terror. When the negative emotion is released, you will have a much clearer vision about what's truly going on in the world and what things you might actually do to improve your life situation and the life situation of those around you. Dr. Tim, when you were talking about what about having to go my hidden part of my mind, what came to me was God is punishing us for destroying the earth. I mean, is that if they're on target or am I still spinning? Well, if it's if it's negative, if it's, a, if it's a negative thing, like we're being punished, we know it's false. So now you can put that beautiful thought on another worksheet. Yes. When you have the oh, thought, I God see. is punishing us for destroying the, the earth, what is your emotion? Do you feel sad for having destroyed the earth? Do you feel scared again? Is it still fear? Is it, you know hurt or confusion, so that that's how you would use these worksheets in a cycle where one will lead to another until eventually when you cancel the thought and the goal, you'll be left with genuine peace, calmness, compassion, connected certainty, clarity, and calm. And that may not happen the first, and that may not happen the first 15 or 30,000 worksheets you do, but it will be your eventual result. Thank you. And I will do my inner work. Thank you for the explanation. You're welcome and deserve blessings. I will mute you so you can listen to the rest of the show in the second hour. And we've got about 20, 21 minutes left. 563-999-3581. Whether you're listening on the switchboard you can type in a question if you have one if you're listening through the uh, internet you can call in at 563-999-3581 and press one as audrey just did or if you're already on the switchboard just press one we've got about 20 minutes left we've got about 10 callers we've unusual but we have somebody in the chat room so feel free to raise a question ask for clarification add a comment a uh, testimonial, or even a refutation. If you're thinking, you know, this is nonsense, this isn't true, I've tried it, it doesn't work, we will entertain all kinds of comments, questions, answers, and testimonials because it benefits all of us to work with this material. And the greatest benefit we'll get is from actually applying the tools in our lives and watching the results. And since we've got 20 minutes left, if no one puts a hand up, I will come back to the the book and the essays by Christian Sundberg. An essay, the next essay in this list is titled The rich realness of formlessness. And the essay reads, 
since we believe in and associate so strongly with form, when we learn that form is not fundamental and awareness itself is fundamental, is primary, we may make the mistake of thinking that spirit is something abstract or ephemeral. We may make the mistake of thinking that, quote, no form, close quotes, or being, quote, beyond form, close quotes, means that it's nothing or that it's not very real. In fact, formlessness, aliveness, is the completely, tangibly rich wellspring of being from which all realities of form emerge. Some of those realities are clearly perceived as being far more real than the earthly experience. If you want to read about that, uh, Eben Alexander and his um, book about his near-death experience is a powerful. Uh, Anita Morjani is another one um, who had a, a near-death, near-life experience, as Michael Rice would call it, and wrote about it. And their experience of what happens when they are formless, when they are outside the body because they've been declared brain dead, etc., is far more real than their earthly experience. And that's exactly what this essay says. The essay goes on and says, and even those realities are, are ultimately transcended by the rich realness of beingness itself. And beingness here with a capital B, all that is, the essence of life, the flow of creative energy. The one mind. It has all these different ways we can talk about it, but we're just pointing at it with our words. The essay goes on and says, while this may sound abstract, your whole being, all the essence of who you are, is full of far, far more than you'll ever be able to conceive of with your earthly ideas. And that fullness is rich and alive. When you attempt to let go of earthly ideas and associations, the invitation here is to watch for any inclination to be discouraged by the initial apparent emptiness of the silence. Often one must first be surrendered to silence before the extremely tangibly real wellspring that dwells beneath that silence and within that silence can arise and make itself known. That process is not done as a search for more in the terms of form and thoughts and feelings and objects. It's done as a search for what is actually real in the alert present moment. That is an investigation of the present moment for exactly what it is without trying to make it into something, just to get that, that 
childlike curiosity about what's really here underneath the thought, underneath all levels of form. That process is a conscious exploration of the aliveness itself. And that process is always present. It's always available to us if we step into it. And when we do, we will be bearing silent witness to every experience. That aliveness is real. And rather than being nothing or empty, it is full of everything. The next essay, and we have time for this since no one's raising a hand. We've got about 15 minutes less. So the next essay I will read is titled, Fear and Ignorance are the Obstacles. And the essay reads, Fear and Ignorance are the only real obstacles to being fully able to actualize our true loving nature on earth. When we wield an intent that is based in fear, we're acting in alignment with the illusion of separation, and we are perpetuating our suffering. When we act from fear, we are promoting a temporary contraction away from the full vibration, vitality, power, and peace that is inherent to life. And when we do that, we're moving away from life towards the much smaller and inherently limiting protection of the self. When we act from fear, it is painful. When we're unaware of the truth and we are ignorant of our true nature, we try to take shelter in all forms of illusion. We pour tremendous energy into erecting and defending the structures of the ego. What are those structures of the ego? Beliefs, self-justifications, sense of identity, this passion to try to be right. We would rather protect ourselves and stick in ourselves in shelters made of paltry ego beliefs than we would be willing to expose ourselves to the ego-burning and identity-searing truth of who we really are. When we know how our true nature is, when we know our true nature, then the painful trappings of separation just evaporate. Both fear and ignorance can be and will be overcome. They can only exist within the illusion of separation. And while you are here in the illusion of separation in the physical realm, confronting those illusions, those thoughts, those beliefs, those ego structures, and healing them or seeing through them, seeing the false nature of them, is an extremely powerful act. You are incredibly important. Your choice to confront your own fear 
and your willingness to surrender what no longer fits and your willingness to dispel your own ignorance, this is powerful indeed. And fear and ignorance are the only real obstacles. So when you work through those, even in yourself, or when you help another to do so, you are working directly to address the heart of Earth's problems. You, within yourself, when you see the falseness of the separation, the illusion, the dream, you are working to heal Earth's problems. Area code 847. You're in the air. Who do we have? This is Sherry. Good morning. Um, I'm so glad you touched on this because in our earthly plane, we are dealing with this on a great level, especially in the United States. And that is the big conundrum. I'm curious as to why fear and anger is so addicting. And why it's so contagious in our country. And okay, I let know me just, that... Let me, let, let, take a breath there and let me just answer that before you lay out five other things that I can't give you an answer for. Why is fear so addictive, right? Correct. Fear and anger so addictive? Correct. If Dr. Michael Rice were here, he would probably tell you that the core of this work is built based on some direct observations. And... He has a definition, which is a very good working definition for addiction. And you use the word addiction. Why is fear and anger so addictive? Michael Rice's very useful definition for addiction is the compulsive use of any substance, any behavior, any belief, any thought, any person, anything the compulsive use of that thing to either numb out or deny an internal pain or to avoid seeing and acting from my highest guidance. So the addictive process is the compulsive use of any substance, any behavior, any emotion, any action, any person to try and numb out from or distract from my internal pain and or to numb out from, distract from, being able to see and act from my highest guidance. In that, he says, one of the most powerful addictive processes on our planet, drugs of choice, is hostility, is anger. Because when I get angry, it numbs me out to the pain of what's going on inside of me. I label that as either pain, fear, or sadness. So I know whenever anybody has anger coming out of them, that means they have pain, fear, or sadness inside of them that they either don't feel capable of or they don't have the awareness of how they can dismantle it on their own. And so... Why do we have so much addiction to anger and fear, especially in the Western world? Because we have people who've been trained to believe that their internal pain, fear, and sadness are being caused by people and things outside of them, and they go on the wild goose chase of trying to change everything outside of them or acquire things from outside of them 
so they don't have to feel their pain, fear, and sadness. Whereas a set of tools like what Dieter Golzak offers or Byron Katie offers or Dr. Michael Rice offers is a very powerful way to turn inside the self to the actual mechanism that we use to create our pain, fear, and sadness and dismantle it. So that would be the first answer I have to your question. Why is there so, so much? My, my next question is. My next question is how do how do you get this out to those people in a way that it becomes like a public service announcement where they don't um, require anything else but. Uh, that that they can gain knowledge of it, but don't turn it off because they are not getting this information. They refuse to see this information. I know I'm getting a little political, and I think well, that's but, why. You know, think, but think about it this way, because you're asking how do we do this, and the people who studied this for thousands of years have come to the conclusion that we really only teach by doing. So the way of mastery says over and over again, teach only love. And then, so what does that mean? How do I teach only love? I choose only loving thoughts by actively tuning into my true nature as love and extending that in every interaction that's how I teach. This idea of do as I say but not as I do, for thousands of years people have observed that doesn't work. People don't learn how to be loving from me when I scream at them about how they're being rude or impatient. They don't learn love from me. So when you ask a question like that, the answer for thousands of years has been do your own work turn inside and, and remove whatever remnants you can find in yourself of impatience, of intolerance, of anger, of fear. And that, and I just finished reading that in this essay, that helps heal the entire world. That helps heal the earth. Right? Oh, fear and are the only... Oh, well, but, but most of the time when people say that, Michael Rice says, well, there is this thing from the ancient scriptures that they call, today we call it critical mass. In the ancient scriptures, it was said, a little leavening leavens the whole loaf. The Maharishi Mahashyogi was known to say, if we can get 1% of the people to do transcendental meditation twice a day, it will radically transform humanity and consciousness. This has been known. So we don't have to get every person out there to do their meditation, to do their worksheets. We just have to do ours. And the more we do ours and the more we show up in the world in a loving, compassionate, calm, centered, peaceful way, even in the midst of serious constraints and difficulties and need for adjustment, the more we do that, the more we add to the healing and the more we teach others. We teach by example. 
some would say that's the only way we teach. And the last line of that, that essay was, fear and ignorance are the only real obstacles. So when you work through those, when you work through those, when I work through my fear and ignorance, and if I help another do that because I have modeled that for them, not because I've lectured them in that. This is why, you know, a day or two ago, I presented on on this Internet show a worksheet I had done, my own worksheet on my experience of this grief energy and processing. I'm not lecturing people about, you should go do a worksheet. I just do a worksheet and present it. And some people might witness that and say, wow, that was interesting. I think I want to learn more about that. That's the way we teach, by modeling. And this last line says, when we do that in ourselves or we support another in doing that, we are working directly to address the heart of Earth's problems. Well, I thank you. I thank you for doing this show. Well, you're entirely welcome and deserving. I hope that helps you understand that if you're like many of us, if you're listening to a show like this or you're reading spiritual books or self-help books, it's because you've experienced some upset when you've looked out at the way the world is or when you look at how you are. That that upset within me, if I if I wake up to the fact that I'm the one that's creating it, it's not being created because the rainforests are getting obliterated. It's not being created because the soil is bad. It's not being created because somebody cut me off in traffic. It's being created because of the interpretation I've created within me and placed upon that event. And if I don't like that upset that I'm experiencing, I can take a breath, calming breath, turn the focus inside, and use one of these tools like the EFT tapping, the breath work, the Michael Rice worksheet, the Diedrich Wolzak Choose Again worksheet, the Byron Katie The Work worksheet, and apply that in my life and shift what I'm doing with my energy and have a different, better experience in the next moment. So I thank you for the call and the question. I'll mute you so you can listen to the second hour if you so desire. We are down to our last minute or so. I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I will turn on the microphone for and welcome Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. I appreciate you. You're welcome and deserving. Have a wonderful show. Good weekend. Thank you. you. Too. Well, welcome everybody to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio. And today is Friday, July the 21st, 2023. And their call-in number is 563-999-3581 and press 1. And that puts you into queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And uh, we'll give Michael a moment to get dialed in, and I'll just welcome everybody and thank you for um, being with us. Uh, We've got several people in the chat room and on the switchboard. And so if you have a question, then press. And uh, Audrey, I hope you got um, 
my response the other day on uh, you having a challenge to get into, uh, let's see, yeah, to get into the radio shows and to be able to fast forward. And so I hope you got that response. I'm going to turn your microphone on. Hi, welcome. Hi, Jeannie. This is Audrey. Yeah, did you get my email and and, uh, hear the response of how to to fast forward through a radio show? Yes, and thank you very much. Um, You are welcome and deserving, as Dr. Tim would say. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for the response, and I appreciate it. I followed the directions, and it works. Thank you. Good. Good. Sweet. Welcome, Michael. We're delighted to be on your team, young lady, and glad to have you on ours. Yeah, this morning I was uh, talking with Dr. Tim, and I was had I was in a negative spin. I was in the illusion of separation, and then he worked with me, and I got to the point of the worksheet where because I was spinning about the soil and humanity and the earth, and I was into a negative spin, I got to the point where I, I said to, I had these hidden parts of myself that God is punishing us, humanity, for polluting the earth. And this is our punishing this is our punishment. And I am amazed at a emotional level how these deep-rooted tapes, tapes are working in the background for me. And I'm going, oh, no, I'm back to go again. I thought I worked through this. Apparently, I just keep working now to dismantle those erroneous thoughts which um, have come an erroneous belief system. And I thank both of you for the work. Delighted and honored. Uh, Was there much punishment in your childhood? or threat of punishment? Very much a lot of abuse. Yeah. And in my mother's background, she was born in 1914. And right. her biological mother passed away, and um, she went into a, oh, what is that called with the nuns? Uh, mon- not a monastery. A convent? Well, any- Convent. Convent. Yes, thank you. See how the thoughts just, the the neurons synapse, and I can't get to the word, in the convent. And she didn't tell me much, but she told me that they used to take the children, children to an area where there were old bones and um, expose the children to that. And then when you were talking on air about in, what was it, Israel, Gehenna? And I'm saying, oh, my goodness. The fiery place. This, yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, uh, and so that was her belief system conditioned in her life experience. And because she, didn't, she was doing the best she knew how to do, it came through her to me. And um, all this is becoming clearer and clearer. Nice catch. That's an, such an important piece of work. You know, the uh, this whole idea of God being a punisher is such a projection. There is no such thing as the the big punisher in the sky. What people have called the big punisher in the sky is love, and what crept into men and women's minds were their own punishment, their own projection of punishment, and so they had to make up a punisher. And it became the creator. The, the, the beauty is that when we understand it, the presence of love that is the creative force within us is always available to dissolve everything that never belonged. I think it was St. Augustine that said we are punished by our sins, not for our sins. When we engage in you know, recognizing the Aramaic word sin as uh, an archery term that means off the mark, when we engage in an energy that's off the mark, wherever we store that energy in our structure, our structure, not God is offended, our structure is offended. We, God can't take offense. It's, it's not part of love's nature to have anything to do with offense, but we offend our own structure, and that energy, that energy that's off the mark, stored in tissue starts to destroy the tissue, and all punishment, all punishment is self-punishment. We're doing this to ourselves, and of course, as you've discovered, it's just another thing to be forgiven. So I want to acknowledge you for the insight in seeing that. There's a great line in The Course in Miracles that says, millions yet unborn will benefit from the work you do. And by just, you know, just the energy of bringing that insight into your mind, your life, your family system, literally impacts the whole world you know and we can verify that if you do if you do a little reading about um, patents there are and this to me is just a way to verify the fact that when an energy enters the world it enters the whole world but there are certain patents that are unique unthought of unheard of things for humanity and what the record shows is that, you know, whatever, let's say it was January 30th, 1942. And this is just an example. I'm just making this up. It's not literal, but, the, but it is a literal truth. You know, on a given date, people in two or three or four different countries patented the exact same new idea the same day. Yeah. When an energy enters the universe, so that, you know, when people think, well, I'm just off here alone doing this for myself, by myself, the truth is when we open to bring a new level, a new insight, a new piece of the experience of love into our physiology, we implant it for all the world. So thank you for doing that piece of work. It's awesome. And it thank opens the space for, for the healing of all of us. Thank you for 
exposing me to the worksheet. And um, now that I'm gaining clarity on how exactly to do the worksheet, I'm doing my inner work, and it works. Michael, I can hear you talking through the wall, but I think you're muted. Oh, I did hit my mute button. I was just going to say that I'm just checking to see if um, if I've gotten it yet. But yesterday, our um, Course in Miracles session, it went for about four hours, and it was really powerful. I don't No, I don't have the video yet, but when we do get it, we'll announce it on the show, and you might find it really worth watching. It... Um, the what we did it was almost a four hour session and there's you know we've got a number of dvds one of the ways we support this work is by the sale of dvds and the we played one of the dvds yesterday so now it's out there free for anybody that wants to see it it's it's a two-hour video what is the world from the course in miracles and as i listened to, to it yesterday one i was amazed it was something it was a video we created about six years ago and i was amazed at how well it came together i hadn't watched it since it was originally created and now you know anybody is available is, is welcome to watch it it'll be up on our youtube channel as soon as we get it back but it was was part of the um hear my voice book club yesterday and we just had an awesome session a lot of really good questions and the way it all came together at one point i was in tears it was just just so the the way the energy came together of the whole group was so overwhelming uh it was and overwhelming in a sweet way so um keep listening and, and when that video is available we'll make sure to get it posted and i think it'll give you another level of insight um, into what you're doing. And, Michael, when it is announced, um, can you just um, announce how I access it? Because I'm going to yes. be 82 years old, and my computer skills are increasing, but I, I, I'm so at a basic level. And um, just We'll email you a link. Simply. Thanks. I appreciate I'll make sure we email you a link so you just click it in the email and you'll be able to watch it. And it'll be it'll Thank be in the notes. Jeannie will put it in the notes for the day too. Thank you. Blessing. Cool. Thank you. We appreciate you. Blessing. Any other thoughts yet at this point? Not at this point, but thank you for being part of my field of awareness. And I'm so thankful for Jeannie, how she got back to me and explained something so simple as click here, and I did, and it worked to, to, to um, navigate through the replay of the archive. Thank you. All right, young lady. You have a blessed one. We appreciate you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, at the end of yesterday's show, you had told people to pick two numbers and you were going to give them a mind shifter. That's so right. Anybody that is listening, 
picked two numbers, then let us know what your two numbers are and we'll give you your mind shifter. The first number was one, two, or three. The second mind shifter was from one to 13. So if you want to pick two numbers, first one that comes to your mind from one to three, and then a second number, write the two numbers down from one to 13, what, what pops in your head. This is a system that I've used for over four decades on helping people to pick mind shifters. Rather than you know, me trying to figure out with my brain what you should work on or you trying to figure out with your brain what you should work on, pick those two numbers. And the guidance is always on track. Uh, in, in an intensive, it's really, it gets to be very funny. It, it's actually quite hilarious because people have been together, let's say they've been together maybe four or five, six days, and we pick mind shifters. And then as each one's mind shifters read out, it's just, you know, oh, my God, you were talking about that yesterday. Oh, that's what we were processing last night. Oh, that's what, you know, it just, it just hits it right on. So pick two numbers, push one, give us your numbers, and let us give you a mind shifter. And remember the way to use a mind shifter, it's a written process. Take a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle of the page on the left-hand side of the page, write the mind shifter, and then you use it as a catalyst to do a brain dump. And so when you, once you write that mind shifter, you write everything that comes up in response to it, on the right side of the page. Write it again. Write everything that comes up. Write it again. Write it again. And what happens, because the mind works by resonance, you know, instead of an affirmation where people try to pretend something's true that isn't, this tool acts as a catalyst. So the part of you that would go against the affirmation, the part of you that would create the opposite result, is given a chance to surface and be healed. And so that's the idea of a mind shifter. So we define that uh, the mind shifter as a thought about an issue in your life around which you have negative thoughts, and it's the opportunity to surface, process, and release the negative thoughts. And so if you've got two numbers, push one. Give us your numbers. We'll give you a mind shifter. Let's play with this a little bit. Come on, join us. And someone who texted me 211. So 211, I'm just opening my file on mind shifters as we speak. Give me one second here. I have it if you don't. Oh, okay. Go for it, sweetie. Please. Okay, so 211 is, and this is what you write on the left-hand side, all my actions toward my mother slash father slash blank are highly pleasing to them and myself. And you can do that on just one of those, like do my, all of my actions toward my mother are highly pleasing to her and myself. Or you can do just your father. Or if there was somebody that popped into your mind, whether it's a coworker or a friend, a significant other or whatever you can put their name in and do it on them so all my actions for so my mother father blank are highly pleasing to them and myself and most often people know they've got a good mind shift when the first thing their mind says is bs who are you trying to kid 
I remember the times when Farara was so angry because I did. And, and when you do that process, one of the things you'll do, like for instance, as we just had shared, is that you get in touch with what the presumptions are that seem so normal to you that you don't even notice them until you go, whoa, golly, I just had that memory pump when I was five and I did something that, you know, my mother didn't like and she just wailed on me. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. And when you allow those things to surface and you clean them up, then the impact of those energetic patterns changes. And, you know, to illustrate, there's a, there's a thing that we talk about that's called the file folder effect. And the file folder effect says that when two files fire together, they become wired together. And so uh, an example of the file folder effect, you know, basically all information is stored in the mind in files, so to speak, that contain all information related to that particular issue. And when you fire two files together, they impact each other. And forevermore, they are linked in your mind. So an example of the file folder effect. You know, there, there are two words that I know everybody has brain cells for. You all got a file on these two different things. And if you never heard me use this example before, then probably you've never thought of them together in one, at one time. So let's observe what happens with the file folder effect. I'm going to ask you for a moment, please, not to think about a purple alligator. Okay? Don't think about a purple alligator. Now, of course, what happens? Everything to do with purple starts to resonate. The mind works by the law of resonance, energy exchange, and alligators start to fire. Now, if I started the show tomorrow and I started out and said, hey, everybody, don't think about a purple, what would come to everyone's mind who was listening to the show? Hmm? Alligator. Clearly, they have become associated and impact each other. Of course, purple and alligator are meaningless, but if you've got trauma related to something that fires, you know, it, it can be something as simple as fires at the same time you're looking at a color and, and something painful moves in you and you're looking at a color and you wonder why in the future you're uncomfortable around that color because that pained energy is related in your mind, resonates along with that color. Now, let's say that 30 years from now, you tapped into the radio show, and I said, hey, everybody, remember way back there in 2023, and I said, don't think about a purple. What would come to your mind if you were listening to today's show? Very likely nothing. Probably over that long a period of time, because it's not a, an association that's been reinforced in the mind, there would be nothing that would come to mind. However, at an unconscious level, 
the associated thoughts would still be firing and would impact the perceptual constructs of your mind. That's why it's important. When you recognize how those things, you know, I happened to talk about the Gehenna on the show the other day, and what happened? Brain cells fired. All of a sudden, an opportunity to clean up something that happened. You know, this young lady just told us she was, she's been circling the earth for 82 years. And this was something that happened, what, when she was five or six? So in response to this idea that the word hell, you know, is a reflection of, there was a garbage dump outside of Jerusalem. It was called the Ghana. It was a place where they burned garbage. And, and actually, people who did, didn't have the money to afford a funeral were also taken there to, for their bodies to be burned. So the mention of that and, and what happens, something from 75 years ago comes up and a whole healing process begins, not just for this young lady, but her, for her whole family system. Her mother probably is not still in her body. I don't know, but I suspect. And you know what? This piece of work changed her mother's energy field. Her mother... And her father obviously had her as a daughter, so there was an exchange of genetics. You know something? The healing of this issue has changed her father's energy field. And how many brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, and people who are not even related, who came out of the same Italian experience as that, on a subtle energy level, just got an uplift from that piece of work that young lady did. Again, how can we verify that such a, that, Michael, that's silly. How could, how could things that remote and that un, unassociated possibly happen? Well, it's the same law I would offer as the law that causes somebody in, you know, Tunisia, to have a new idea and start building it and working on it and somebody in Columbia, South Carolina has the same idea and somebody in London, England has the same idea and they all go to the patent office and patent it at the same day. That's called energy. That's the impact of energy. I mean, how, how you think it's coincidence that repeatedly two, three, four different people have patented something on the same day in totally different parts of the world, people who were never communicating with each other in any direct fashion? You think that's a coincidence? No. No. We live in an energy universe, and we can tap into whatever energies we choose to, and if we tap into energies that resonate disturbance in us, but we're not aware of the disturbance, we don't really have the opportunity to clean it up. But if we'll be observers of ourselves, you remember how often we've said, become the thinker apart from the thought, the feeler apart from the feeler, the actor apart from the actions. And notice when you do that, if you just do something as simple as watch your language, watch your words. You know, Shakespeare informs, my words fly up, my thoughts remain below. He was talking about the unconscious mind. And if I watch my words... You know, something happens and I, I shudder and I say, oh, I really hate it when I see something like that happen. Guess what? 
if I'm observing myself, I just realized that I have an opportunity to heal some hate in me. I have the opportunity to go inside of me and literally remove that energy of hate because I was able to observe what I said. Our words is such a key to what's going on in the mind and present us with opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. So the purpose of this work, the reason we're here, the reason Dr. Tim is here, is to bring forward this level of understanding. You know, I think back over my my life and the decades that I've been developing this work. And even though I was not conscious, I can see, you know, I go way back into high school. You know, I accidentally became interested in electronics and ended up studying electronics and physics in school. It was an accident, and it's the root of my work today, five decades later. No accident. And I can see how my life has been guided in so many ways to be able to put together this picture that is big enough to comprehend the whole of what's happening and what we are doing to ourselves and others as humanity and how we clean up the anomalies in the system. So mind shifter can be a powerful thing. Michini, do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up to get a couple of numbers to get a mind shifter? Come on, folks, don't be shy. Push one. Play with us. Okay, well, I guess we'll let that one go. <laughs> I figured we'd have a bunch of people who'd be jumping on the bandwagon and say, yeah, give me my mind shifter. In any event, oh, we had if a you hand. Choose... We had a hand. We had a hand going. Go for it. Okay. It's Audrey again. Five two zero. You're on the air. Hi, it's me again. I laid back thinking that possibly um, someone else would respond. My two numbers, since nobody else responded, are three and seven. Three seven is my relationship with blank. Now, you remember when I said how funny it is and intensive when we give out the mind shifters and everybody goes, oh, that's what you were just talking about. Well, guess what? Your mind shifter is what you were just talking about. Three seven. You know, your whole story about guilt and taking children to this suffering place and pain and so, so your mind shifter is, my relationship with blank gives me opportunities to heal my guilt. My relationship with blank gives me opportunities to heal my guilt. It was fun on, uh, you know, once a month we do the Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing uh, Club. And on Saturday, we do the breath work, and Sunday, we do a process session. And we always start out with a mind shifter. And there was a new person in the class this past Saturday, and he had, you know, we, he had just called me and gotten his mind shifter. And then when we started the session, we're, you know, we're talking about and processing what mind shifters each person's got. We had six people in the group. There few people that had just finished their first year in it and then dropped out. So, but we had six people there. And of the six people, 
Now let's see. One person was in North Carolina. One person was in California. One person was in Hawaii. Let's see. Where were the others from? I'm not sure oh, if they had that mindset London, there, England. but Julie London, in England. London, England, and one person, well, she's actually in California right now. But anyway, there were six people, and three people had the same mind shifter. Out of, I, and I don't know how many, you know, I, I don't know what, the, uh, what the, the combination of numbers could possibly be when you've got three groups of 13 numbers, how those numbers could go together, but it's got to be in the hundreds of thousands of, of different combinations possible. And three people out of six pick the same numbers. We do live in a world of resonance. And, uh, and thank you for calling in for that, young lady. Does that resonate anything in particular for you at this moment when you think the thought, my relationship with blank gives me opportunities to heal my guilt? My relationship, I don't know exactly how to do the mind shifters. I just, okay, with blank. So the first thing that comes okay. to my mind is what I put in, Michael? Yes. Okay, my relationship with God. Perfect. So when you think that thought, what's the first thing that comes up? My relationship with God gives me opportunities to heal my guilt. Oh, Michael, I'm back to a, a punishing God. But I know that's an illusionary. Mm. I, I right. know that is illusionary. But that's what Well, you know that in your head. Right. You know, there are a lot of things we all know in our heads, but, but it's not what's going on in our heads that are important. If you remember, you go back into the ancient scriptures and they said, take care of the heart, for out of it are the issues in life, not the head. And so it's the heart, it's the unconscious. That, that word uh, heart in Aramaic is a, an idiom for the unconscious. So they're saying, look at what's going on in your unconscious and take care of that. And so that, and the idea of the mind shifter, when you split a piece of paper and you write that on the left side, then, you know, your first thought on the right side would be, well, the first thing that comes to mind is my relationship with God. Then you write the mind shifter again and what comes up and see where you end up. And, and what happens is you'll get to drop deeper and deeper and deeper into your own unconscious dynamics. You'll, you'll, uh, it allows, it adds energy to the unconscious part that's been shut down, and when the energy is high enough in that unconscious part, bingo, it pops up to the surface, comes to awareness, and then you get to work through it. Thank you for the explanation. Uh, I'll do my inner work. Honored and delighted, young lady. Blessings. All right. Blessings to you, too. All right, Miss Jeannie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just throw out a couple. The, uh, we're actually, we've got uh, 18 different lists. Uh, when somebody joins and does signs up for the whole year, then they get the full uh, thrust of mind shifters. People who do one session or three sessions, we send out three lists. And, and, and you can go to the website. If you go to whyagain.org, you can download the, whole, the three lists. 
the section one, section two, section three, and each one's got 13 mind shifters. You can find that under worksheets. And the, the titles of the three lists are Healing into Aliveness, that's list number one. Healing Fear and Hostility through Forgiveness is list number two. And Creating Abundance is list number three. Actually, I'm going to go through the uh, the titles on each of them just to give you a sense of where we go with it. So the f- number four list, again, each one has 13 mind shifters, is Healing into Eternal Life. Number five is Healing Death. Number six is source esteem issues. You know, a lot of people talk about self-esteem, but you never heard in the ancient scriptures that you needed to have self-esteem. It's a big deal today, self, self, self. But what they recommended in the ancient scriptures was have source esteem addresses those issues. Number seven is healing generations. Number eight is dealing with power person issues. That's the eighth section of Mind Shifters. The ninth is living without perception and memory. The tenth section is partnering in sweetness, approval, and love. Number eleven is healing the issues in my tissues. Number twelve is healing blame. Thirteen is healing regulatory speech. And actually, I've only got 14 here. My computer has the others. But, but that gives you an idea of, of where these things go. And I'm just going to just select one from each section. So healing into aliveness, number five is, I now attract the ideal relationship and heal through the presence of love, gentleness, and respect. If we go to section two, I'm going to just do mind shifter five from each section. So section two on feeling, healing fear and hostility through forgiveness. Number five, five is, I have always been held in love and received total approval and affirmation from myself, my parents, and blank. Now, the idea of that, when you'd be writing it, would be, what's your mind say to that? Well, that's not true. I have been approved. Boy, I don't ever remember getting approval when I was, blah, blah, blah. You know, and you write and you write and you write, and you allow those unconscious dynamics to come forward, things that most people never even look at. Mind shifter number five in the section on creating abundance is God, my father, my mother, father, and I approve of my being a sexual being. Number four, healing into eternal life, mind shifter five is just and fair behavior with all eye contact or think about is a precursor to eternal life. This is all part of the mind shifters and still point breathing club. Uh, Section five, healing death, mind shifter number five is believing what my carbon-based memory tells me means death believing what my carbon-based memory tells me means death is on its way so number five number six on surface source esteem issues the number five mind shifter in that section is honoring bringing love into behavior toward parents is as easy as being aware that I live move and have my being in an energy field called love. 
on the section Healing Generations MindShifter 5 is, it's safe for me to invite the darkest parts of my family history to, make, to come into awareness and heal. Section 8, MindShifter number 5 is, whenever someone points out my mistakes, I automatically take a breath and say, thank you. Number nine, the section on living without perception and memory, mind shifter five is, I willingly quiet my mind and allow Rukka to move in me. Ten, partnering in sweetness, approval, and love, mind shifter five is, it is natural for me to affirm the goodness in everyone in my life. Now, that one might look like, well, yeah, except for, you know, old Bill over there. He's always been a troublemaker. He is such a disaster. So so that would be what is resonated in my mind by that mind shifter and the opportunity to work through whatever it surfaces. Section 11 on healing issues in my tissues, mind shifter 5 is, I naturally forgive any energy I am tempted to hook up to my brain's image of my partner. There's a good one. I naturally forgive any energy I am tempted to hook up to my brain's image of my partner. Remember that file folder effect? So healing the issues in my tissues. Section 12, Healing Blame Mind Shifter 5 is, when someone blames themselves or another, it is natural for me to see through that projection. I'm actually going to edit that one a little I have, bit. I have the others, and we have 17 sections, not 18. Okay. But I have the others well, then, if you don't have them. Okay. Actually, yeah, I, I worked on 18 yesterday completed it so but it's on my computer so so anyway I'm going to change that one slightly so when someone blames themselves myself or another it is natural for me to see through that projection and then number 13 is the section on healing regulatory speech as something we cover in laws of living and mind shifter number five there is paying attention to and decoding any unconscious use of words heals me. So you get some sort of sense how you can start to turn thinking around. So, sweetie, on, on section 14, what's, uh, what's section 14 and what's the uh, fifth mind shifter in that list? It's the title of it, uh, 14 is being on purpose. And number five says, experiencing myself as valuable comes only from my experiencing myself as love and expressing as love. <laughs> nice. By the way, if you notice yourself holding your breath on any of these thoughts, that's a cue that will be a good mind shifter for you to work with. Let's go to 15. 15 is titled, Healing Issues Around People Dying. And number five is, I am made for eternal life and am willing to embrace and heal every conflicting idea. Mm. Good one. 
Number 16 is living as love. Mm -hmm. And number five is I am valued and value myself just for being. Good one. And 17? Number 17 is overcoming a beguiling ego. ego. And number five is I always listen to the guidance that strengthens behaviors based in love, generosity, and right action. Good one. And I had just worked on and finished number five yesterday, so I am heading through to my computer. I don't have those last section on my phone. You mean number 18? Number 18, yes. I'm just heading there now, and I'll give you... Um, mind shifter number five, I think it's actually still open on my computer. Yes, it is. So let's go to section 18. We call this the ever-expanding mind shifter list, and each month we come up with a new list of mind shifters. And so number 18, the next one that will be coming out is healing family traumas. And mind shifter number five in that is when I have rage resonated resonated by the world, I automatically breathe and forgive my hostility. So section 18 in the ever-expanding Mind Shifters list, it's part of the Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing Club. People who are part of that club get this every month, get a new section every month. Number five, mind shifter, is when I have rage resonated by the world, I automatically breathe and forgive my hostility. The first mind shifter, I'm just inclined to share mind shifter number one in that section 18, and that is every family trauma that I have gone through and bought into is now resolvable through the acts of love that come from my being. So that's uh, section 18, mind shifter number one. Every family trauma that I've gone through and bought into is now resolvable through the acts of love that come from my being. And if any of those resonate for you and, you know, we went by them pretty quickly, you're welcome to push one and ask for it again, and we'll read it back to you again if it's, if it's you know, if it's one that you're ready to work on. It's, it's a powerful tool. It's a simple tool, uh, and, it, it you know, it just acknowledges that the mind operates by resonance and that, you know, if, if I have a, a middle C tuning fork and I put it in front of a second middle C tuning fork, they're both sitting still and I hit one of them on the desk and get it really vibrating and I put it near the second middle C tuning fork. What happens is through resonance, the energy of the, the that's moving out of the first tuning fork causes the second tuning fork to start to vibrate. There's an exchange of energy that's called resonance. That's the principle behind this tool called a mind shifter. If I say, don't think about the color of your car, what happens? Something about the color of your car moves in you, the law of resonance. Literally, the energy that's emanating from my voice box, literally the air molecules moving that are transferred to the microphone in my, my phone to the speaker in your phone through the airwaves, causes air molecules to move in the room you're in and your eardrum responds and your brain resonates with whatever 
matches just like that second tuning fork. You know, if I, if I hit a middle C tuning fork on the desk and put it in front of an A tuning fork, you know what happens? Absolutely nothing. There's no resonance. Events come to us in our lives through the law of resonance just by holding an energy. You don't have to ever speak it. Nobody ever has to know it's there. You don't ever have to say a word. The fact that the experience and the energy is in you unresolved, it is continuously broadcasting a signal into the world that draws people to you that are, because of that exchange of energy, tend to play that dynamic out. Now, I remember back, this goes back about 40 years ago, I used to keynote fairly often at a conference called Global Sciences. Gentleman named Dean Stonier. Thank you, Dean. Bless you, Dean. When he passed away, the the conference kind of collapsed. He was just a really sweet guy. Lived in Denver, and the conference was out there a year or two. They had it in Florida too that I spoke. But one year I spoke at this conference, and there was another presenter who I didn't know at the time, but became acquainted with, got to know. His name was Marcel Vogel. You've maybe heard the name before. You've perhaps heard of Vogel Cut Crystals. Marcel was a 23-year senior scientist from IBM. Genius mind, a true sweetheart of a man. And you know, Marcel, here's the kind of mind Marcel had. He worked for IBM. He was the only non-degreed scientist on IBM staff. If you didn't have your PhD, you didn't work for IBM. Marcel didn't have a PhD. Why? Why didn't Marcel have a PhD? And why would why would you know IBM, whose policy is you got to have a PhD to work there, hire him? Well, when Marcel was 11, here's the kind of mind he had. He invented chemical light. He was an inventor from childhood. He was 11. He invented chemical light. You know how if you go to a, a football game and they have these plastic string type things and there's a tube inside of it and you bend it together and the two chemicals mix and, and it lights up. That was Marcel's invention. He was age 11. Now, he was in his 60s when I met him, but he was 11 when he invented that. And his family didn't have money to patent it, and Marcel at age 11 patented his invention. What kind of mind did Marcel Vogel have? Well, you and I wouldn't be talking today unless it were for Marcel Vogel. We wouldn't be doing this show because what it takes to do this show is hard drives. And guess what? When Marcel Vogel worked for IBM, Marcel invented the magnetic coating that allows our hard drives to work. We wouldn't be this far in the technology world if it weren't for Marcel Vogel. But this year he came to the, the conference and he came. He said, I'm coming to show you the power of the mind. And he had a camera, pictures taken by a camera called a Delaware camera. It was invented by an Englishman named George Delaware. This camera was different than any camera you've ever seen because on the front end of the camera there was a tuning mechanism. You know, much like you've got a radio and you tune the radio and the station you tune to is the only thing you hear. 
Well, where the normal camera, you know, you click the shutter and the aperture opens and the light energy is stored on the photographic plate, Marcel invented a, or, or pardon me, George Delaware, Marcel brought it to the conference, George Delaware invented a tuner to filter through what comes into the aperture when you open it. And so if you had it tuned to the right frequency, it would take pictures of things you can't see. And what he showed us were the pictures of the high energy wave that leave the mind when we think a thought. How is it possible that everybody in the world, or, or pardon me, cancel that, that so many people registered or engaged in registering a patent on the same day for totally, completely unthought of things. How did that happen? Well, when one person had the thought, that thought was now in the world. And those who were in resonance with it, it doesn't matter whether they were in China or Timbuktu, if they were listening, if they weren't too busy with something else and were listening, they had the opportunity to pick up on that thought and engage in that invention. What Marcel, my offering is that what Marcel discovered is the proof that we are creative beings. All you have to do is hold an energy in you. And, and you know, let me go back to my physics training. Energy, by nature, by definition, is motion. There's no such thing as energy without motion. So any frequency, any energy pattern that you hold, the same way as, let's say, 900 on your radio dial sets up a frequency pattern in the 900 kilocycle range. You need a tuner in the 900 kilocycle range to receive that radio station. Now, you've got an AM, FM radio, and you say to yourself, well, you know, the FM radio, my FM has a much better fidelity and sound than my AM, so I'm going to listen to 900 on my FM radio. Guess what? You can't do it because there isn't a tuning mechanism for it. Guess what? The only people that show up in your life are people who you have a tuning mechanism for. And they have a tuning mechanism for you. And the choices that individually and collectively you make is what forms the realities you experience. This gives you a clue as to what they're talking about when they say they're discovering there's this thing called the multiverse. Every choice we make is an energy, is a frequency that locks us into an aspect of creation. And every energy that we forgive frees us from the suffering aspects of the creation. And we're just starting to understand it. So if I engage in a thought, I just set up a frequency, a high energy, measurable wave. Marcel could take a picture of it with his camera. When I bring a an energy that's based in suffering forward in the presence of love, the presence of love transmutes that energy, changes its form, and it is no longer suffering in me. That's the reason why you want to be about forgiveness. 
because every energy that you're willing to access, it's like if you access some form of suffering and you bring it forward in the presence of love, it's like love pushes the mute button on that suffering. You're done with it. It transforms that energy. What you keep in hiding, you keep sending out into the world. By the very presence of that energy moving in you, there is an energy wave moving from you, and guess who's going to show up in your life? Somebody who's in tune with that energy. So this tool is a powerful one because it gives you a chance to look at things that, you know, maybe go back generations and generations. As Audrey just shared with us, you know, something that very powerfully impacted her mom, she's still experiencing, you know, seven decades plus later. And cleaning up, freeing mom, freeing herself, freeing her children if she's got children, freeing her spouse if she's transferred that energy to him. And opening the energy window for everybody on the planet with that particular form of suffering to also heal it. You know, maybe somebody in China, the person who maybe would have been, you know, patenting an invention the same day as you were, you clean that piece up in you and that person in China gets to heal the same issue. And the person in Siberia and the person in Timbuktu. understand how this energy system works it's absolutely amazing and what I've been working on for the live the last five plus decades yes it's actually more like six decades now I've been saying five plus for a long time <laughs> tools for understanding how to deal with those energetic impacts. The most brilliant mind on the planet that I know of that understood how this energy system work, works and gave people the tools was a man named Yeshua. Many who would not do the work of Yeshua took advantage of what he taught and have used it to abuse, control, and cause suffering with people. When churchianity rages, okay, when churchianity rages at a child, they are not teaching the teachings of Yeshua. They've distorted and destroyed the teachings of Yeshua and are destroying the child. It's something we need to wake up from and understand and bring integrity back to. And let's say hello to our caller. We've got about five okay, minutes. Let's go for it. Jamuna, 808, you're on the air. Hi. Aloha. Welcome, young lady. Hey. How are you? I, I'm just, I'm me right now. A lot coming up, yeah, because that's just the way it is. But, you know, I, um, um, you know, when you talk about, like, bringing in the presence of love to transmute it, my yes. low, low mind, just well, the ego mind, just can't get past how to do that. How does it? How how does one do that exactly? Okay. With the breath, I understand, but like here it is. How, yeah. 
Could you explain more Here to it is. class? <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I can go back to about 35, 36 years ago. We were doing an intensive at Heartland. We had about 50 people at our center. And there was one person who had some very serious physical suffering going on. And that person went in and did some deep work. And literally, right there on the spot with everybody watching, this person moved out of that severe physical suffering like that fast. Just bingo, it was gone. And it was like clear to everybody something miraculous had just happened. And, you know, with my questioning mind, you know, my background is in electronics with side study in physics and back in the, uh, in the, the technical world. You know, if you're building or repairing or developing a piece of electronic equipment, it doesn't matter what your philosophy is. It's got to work when it comes off the other end of the bench. So the, the question for me in that killer intensive, as everybody watched this transformation take place, and this was the only person that made that shift, the question was, well, wait a minute, what, what just happened? You know, there are 50 people in the room. Why didn't everybody get that kind of transformation? What happened here? What's behind this thing called healing? How does this happen? And what I was shown was that for healing to happen, two things have to occur. One, love must be conscious, active, and present. And when I'm talking about love, I'm not talking about our culture's mamby-pamby, you know, definition of love as sexual athletics or self-sacrifice or anything like that. I'm talking about a human life, an actual present human being called love has to be there, awake and functional in the space. That's the first condition that has to be met. The second condition is the veil of the temple, the barrier between the subconscious and the unconscious mind needs to open. And something that's in hiding in the unconscious has to come forward in the presence of that act of love. When those two things meet, there is a transmutation of the lower energy, and that's where healing occurs. That's what I was shown that day. That's what I had explained to me that day. Okay. So since then, the pursuit has been, so how do we get the veil to open? Well, we know the veil is built by holding the breath. So one of the keys is you've got to keep the breath open. And that's where yeah. the still point breathing process comes in. That's why we have that still point breathing club. And then the other practice is bringing love, conscious, active, and present, and, and doing the work of forgiveness to remove everything in oneself that would inhibit them functioning as the presence of love. And thus, this whole body of work is about achieving that result. And the show's about to cut us off, Jamuna. And so if that's not a complete enough explanation, how about planning to call in on Monday and let's start with this conversation and we'll get more deeply into it. That sounds but that's good, the short that's form right. of it. Okay, I love it. Uh, I know if I have a question, someone else does. All right, that's that's the beauty of community is sometimes when I haven't thought of the question, you do, and that's what opens the space. So it is awesome to be part of this community.
Thank you so much. All right. Have a blessed one. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world and blessings.